Stella made a beat, so it's go time. to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast. This is a podcast under SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find them on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies or on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and Nate is not with me right now, but it's okay. Because we got a friend of the show here, Connor Dunning, the 92.9 producer for the Giannato and Jeffrey show every day from 2 to 4 p.m. Connor, what's up? Hello, hello. Yes, last time we talked, I don't think they were an official show yet. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I think we... The mock, or what was it? The uh, draft lottery night. Yes. Yeah. I really think it was like... One of the greatest nights of my life. It was one of the greatest nights of our lives. Yeah. But um, we also like posted that. And then the news came out that Giannata it was like the was next doing, day. Yeah, yeah, that was wild. Yeah, it's it's going really well. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Awesome, uh, Connor. Before we start, just plug your stuff in real quick. Uh, you follow me at cdonny929 on Twitter. Uh, I produce two podcasts as well on the side. I do Sound and Color with my guy Isaiah Downey. It's just kind of a pop culture and movies, mostly focusing on music and movies and just tv shows going on that drops that's going to start dropping every weekly now and then of course we're going to start back up our run it back pod run it back run it back it's uh, it's been gone for a while but you're back in town so it's calmed down a little bit nine to nine with oh, all yeah. the changes so we can get back into it so yeah check those out when we post them otherwise instagram i think i'm connor dunning i'm not on it much but yeah twitter that's where you can find me yeah twitter but you know what it's a great day, great week in Memphis because we finally got a coach. Finally got a coach. And um, it's looking like we got a good one. We got a uh, disciple from the Budenholzer tree. And as we've seen with Kenny Atkinson and Quinn Snyder from Brooklyn and Utah, that we might end up having a good one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the track record is great. And But one key thing with both Snyder and... And Atkinson, and we're gonna, and we'll get to this a little bit later when we dive into the presser that happened today. It took time. We had it's gonna have to take time. I think that all of Grizz Nation can agree. It seems like the front office agrees. It seems like the players agree. Everyone needs to agree. This guy gets three years minimum. Like it's gotta take time. This stuff is going to take time, especially with the plan moving forward. If what happens happens with the with the roster moves, it's not going to be a, a super fast rebuild. It's going to be a quicker rebuild than we thought because of getting John Moran at the number two. If he does hit, it's a huge deal for us. But it's also going to take some time. We have to have some patience. It's it, They're going to be a fun team. I say that they're going to be very similar to the Atlanta Hawks from last season. They're going to start the season probably pretty rough. And then about the halfway point, you'll see them start to click. That's what I think is probably going to happen. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I think uh, Morant and Jackson kind of remind me a lot of Trey Young and John Collins. Oh, be still my heart. I think Whoa. I think Jaron could be a better scorer than John Collins and a better defender. Even though Collins is probably the better rebounder, and I don't I don't think uh, Jaw's going to be as good as Trey yet. I think Trey's going to be a generational talent, to be honest. But still, 
super exciting. All we need is a hero. I mean, a, uh, a Kevin Herter, and we'll be all good. <laughs> a Tyler Hero. Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. We might get into how we can get him in a little bit. Yeah, in a little bit. But uh, so, Connor, you got to hear a lot more about the uh, press conference through today's uh, Giannato and Jeffrey show. So just dive in on the presser with Taylor Jenkins and just some nuggets, some some yeah. gems that everybody wants to hear. So it, I think it was a it was a great presser. Uh, we ran it today on the show from about two o'clock to two forty. It was a longer presser than most were expecting. It was forty minutes, which is a, that's a significant amount of time for a presser, but it's still a very good one. Um, the glaring, the glaring things that you just notice right off of the bat. Oh my God! Press conferences are so much better without Chris Wallace. Oh, like oh, God. it was like watching. It was amazing. It was like the first time you saw like Star Wars. You're just so happy and thrilled and, and hopeful for the future. It's, it's, it's a new hope. Taylor Jenkins, a new hope. That's the presser. That's what we're calling it. I, I had a different comparison, you know, for people that aren't nerds. But uh, Hey, no. <laughs> but it, it's, like, uh, it's like going on your first date with a girl that's officially your girlfriend. Right. Yeah. It's a little awkward at first. Like, you're still trying to feel it out. But then, like, by the end of it, everyone was it, pretty happy I think with you're also, other. like, super excited for the future and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Also, but. shout out to the whole Memphis media. Like, they crushed it. It was one of the best. Like, all of the questions were great. They were kind of, like, everyone, no one stepped on another person. It was, it was really good. It, I did find it funny, though. Every time someone would introduce themselves, uh, Jenkins would just go, thank you. <laughs> just He, like, thanked everyone, which was very nice. Um, another big, a big factor that I noticed is that Tayshawn Prince is going to be a key in this front office. He is like the right hand man to these guys. He's ve- he was very active. It sounds like in the coaching search, he's going to be very active and and just being around the players. He is going to be the guy in the front office that I think that the players can go to to talk to when they need an ear of a former player and someone that they can try to relate to. Right, and I think having Tayshawn Prince in the front office, making a lot of team decisions, and kind of being that medium between the front office and the players is super important because as we've seen with uh, these hires so far that nobody really has NBA experience right including Taylor Jenkins who admitted that he hasn't played basketball since high school right so like getting a former NBA player in there to kind of give you like the perspective of an NBA player especially an esteemed one like Tayshaun Prince yes that's huge for this team especially with great young talent such as Jaron Jackson Jr. and probably John Morant. Yeah, you and you mentioned uh, Jenkins. He he may not have a lot of experience as a coach, or I'm sorry, as, as a, a player, player. Yeah. but he certainly has experience as a coach and even a front office man. I mean, he was in the front office in San Antonio, then became an assistant coach. He coached for four years in the G League as a head coach. And this is one of my favorite things he said is that after he was done being a head coach in the G League, he, he knew that he wasn't ready to be a head coach yet, so he went to go and try to find an assistant coaching job. He pursued that. He, he was very humble in that aspect. He knows that he still has some things to learn. He, he, he knows when he has his faults and he tries to improve upon them, which I think is a really good sign moving forward. He, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to be like a dictator in the locker room. He it sounds like that he's going to be kind of a player's coach, which is great. That's one thing that they talked about a lot is that Kleiman and Tayshawn talked about that the reason it took so long is they were trying to find someone that was not only good with X's and O's, but they were also good with personnel. I mean, we I think that we've known the past few coaches in Memphis haven't been the best marriage with the players. And I think that they're trying to avoid that at all costs. And I think one of the reasons the vetting process took a little bit longer is because they were trying to make sure that a guy that they bring in is going to gel with whatever players that we have next season. Right. And also, 
Um, I do think it's severely overrated about the fact that, like, he didn't have any experience. I don't think that matters, really. Like, we we didn't play basketball in high school. So, like, and I think we know basketball pretty well. Yeah. A lot of NBA nerd Twitter, let's be real, they they get a lot of shit, but they're still pretty smart. Yeah, most of us are under 6'2". It's what happens. Yeah, it's it's just the nature (laughs) of the beast. But um, one thing I do want to hear, like, your thoughts on with this presser, it's just, like, did he talk about a lot of, like, stylistic changes because – as uh, your host of uh, the Giannato and Jeffrey show, Mark Giannato, said in his tweet leading into his column, not once was grit and grind used. And that's great because if you were to listen to a Chris Wallace presser and you played a drinking game every time grit and grind was played, you're drunk by the end of the presser. You would die. Yeah. You might die of alcohol poisoning. It's almost like Joe Mullinex plugging GBB on one of his <laughs> spots on 929. <laughs> Love you, Joe. Love you, Joe. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, one of the great things about this presser is he was very open about kind of what his plan is going into the season. And again, this feels like not only his plan, but also what the front office wanted. One thing that they harped on and they talked about over and over and over again is that this thing is going to take time. Like, I think they said that three or four times. I have it written down on my sheet. Four different times of them saying that it's going to take time. Very good sign. But he said that aggressive defense is going to be a priority on this team. Aggressive, smart defense, though. He doesn't want them to make stupid plays. He just doesn't want them to be hanging back. He wants to attack the offenses when they're trying to defend them. But he also said that pace and space and a fast offense and an up-tempo offense is also going to be a priority for them. I do have a question with that as far as like having an aggressive defense and a pace and space offense. Right. Um, let's be real. If you're wanting to capitalize on both of those, Kyle Anderson's going to the four and Jaron Jackson's going to the five. Is that something you could see happening? Yeah, absolutely. It sounded like that they have a very good plan of what they want to do with their personnel moving forward. And I think that this is going to be a coach that can kind of unlock the abilities of a few guys. He he really talked about how the offensive plan is going to be a lot about getting to the rim, but also shooting three. So they're going to be very similar to today's NBA, the up-tempo offense. We're going to try to get to the rim. We're going to have guys cutting to the rim. If we can't get those, we're going to try to get an open three. A lot of ball movement is what he talked about. He said that he wants smart, high IQ players that know where the ball needs to be at all times. So this is going to be a team that I think if he is able to develop these guys. Another thing that they harped on was player development. Um, Kleiman said that they went into this looking for a guy for player development, knowing that we had the number two pick coming in and arguably our most important piece. And to my my opinion, our most important piece, Jaron Jackson Jr. Is he he's, is he 20 yet? <laughs> Did he just turn 20? He's not 20 yet. He's not 20 yet. That's hey, So player development is very important to this front office and this new coaching staff moving forward which I think is great. Um, he talked about how the number two pick did be, was a factor in his decision, and the front office said that, yeah, like that was a big deal for a couple of guys that we interviewed. Like he's, but he said that that wasn't necessarily the reason that he, he chose the Grizzlies, but he, he wanted the opportunity to kind of mold his own team, build his own system, and build a winning culture. I think we've talked about it in the past multiple times. The most important thing that this team can do right now is it was like that we got to get, get out of jail free card with John Rant the number two pick if he hits that is that just pushes forward everything that we are going to do next year it doesn't really matter if we convey or not because if we get another pick great if we can pay if if we convey awesome yeah James Wiseman that's what I mean like this allows us to kind of build a winning culture from the ground up without having to just completely blow it up right 
and like they're they're going to be exciting and that's another good thing like one of the reasons that the process that the Sixers went through I think was so miserable was they just sucked like they had no exciting players nothing to look forward to at least we can look at oh how is Jaron Jackson Jr. going to develop is John Morant going to be this is Dylan Brooks how's he going to be next year and it's one of those things with the process it's like whenever a player seemed like they were doing well they just weren't on the team anymore. Yeah, because they had to lose. Yeah, they had to lose. Yeah. So one thing I'm also really looking forward to with uh, Jenkins, as well as Jackson and Morant, is like the the emphasis on the uh, pace and space offense, the aggressive defense, but also the culture. Also talks about pick and pop. Oh, my God. Beautiful. I'll talk in that a bit. But we've seen the importance of building a strong culture. Correct. And one with good X's and O's. It's made a it's made Brooklyn a good free agent destination. Yep, um, Atlanta's way ahead of their rebuild process than we thought. Like honestly, if they were to go get a veteran this summer, like maybe like a Chris Middleton or try to get a Al Horford reunion or something, they can make the playoffs next year. Yeah, hitting on Herder was a big deal for them. I think just Trey Young and John yeah. Collins. I mean, John Collins was also like a 19th pick. If if we can somehow get a John Collins from year one to year two jump from Jaron Jackson Jr. next season, that would be incredible. And that I know Chris fans that doesn't sound sexy, but it's odds are it's because you really don't pay attention to the NBA. Sorry to break it to you, but John Collins averaged like 20 and 11. He's amazing. Year. John Collins is amazing. He missed the beginning of the season with injuries, so he kind of snuck up on people, and I, think, I think. And I think they probably would have made the playoffs too. Oh, that's a spicy take. They still won 28 games with him missing a lot of the season. That's and with Trey Young sucking ass at the beginning of the year. Very true. But I will say, as bad to like the Grizzlies' point with it, you have a coach wanting to build this culture of winning basketball, a good pace in space, aggressive defense. And um, one thing that's important, too, and obviously they have two talents, Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant, two guys that I think could very well be – stars in this league but I'm also I dig their personalities and that's a big part in building a culture if you have a culture built around Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant not just their style of play but their personalities Mm -hmm. that's gonna be very attractive and that's gonna be very attractive for a team that's gonna have a lot of cap space in 2020 potentially absolutely where there's a stacked field of restricted free agents like Jalen Brown I mean, I think wherever Brandon Ingram gets traded, he'll sign an extension. Uh, Pascal Siakam, Malik Beasley, Karis LeVert. Like, that's that's a good core of restricted free agents. And if the Grizzlies can start showing signs of having a good culture and also just having one of the brightest futures in the league, a lot like Atlanta and Brooklyn, it's it could just pay more dividends than people realize. Right. I mean, Memphis does have a good track record with former players liking Memphis and and talking good about Memphis, which is a good sign. But um, I can't remember who it was, but someone was on Jason and John just the other day, and he said that in five years he can definitely see John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. being the best – big man and, and, and point guard duo in the league, which yeah. is which would be great. And like you said, I think one of the things that with them saying that they're going to take time and they want the players to develop and kind of go into their own thing and that they want to maximize their potential is that they aren't going to try to force these guys into a certain mold. They're, they know that how young they are. They're going to let them grow in time. They're not going to try to speed up their growth, which is, I think, I think a very good thing. Having, I mean, we've talked about this over and over again before the hiring of the new front office guys, before we got John Morant before before we got uh, Taylor Jenkins we talked about how they it has to be from the top down mm-hmm. 
It has to be from the top down where everyone agrees we may lose the next couple of seasons, but we're going to be fun. We're gonna, we'll st- still get the crowd stuff that they want to do. I mean, going to a Grizzlies game next year is going to be fun again. I mean, there was like a 30-game stretch this year where it was just it just wasn't fun anymore, and that and that sucks. That really does suck is when your team just really isn't fun to watch, and you're only trying to and you really only have negative things to pick from it. It, it can it can it can weigh on you. But now we have things to look forward to. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a set plan in place. They are finally committing to the rebuild. They are not in purgatory anymore. And that is the worst thing you can be in the NBA is be in purgatory. Ask the Sacramento Kings. They're just now starting to get out of it. And another thing that I wanted to ask you about is someone brought up a very good point to me. One of the reasons I think that a lot of teams just stay in that purgatory and can never get out of it is because they never find a point guard. Being able to go from Mike Conley straight yeah. to John Morant is going to be such an advantage for this rebuild, especially with a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. Because John Morant, we saw, he made guys at Murray State score double digits. He was getting 10 assists at Murray State. Imagine what he could do with NBA talent around him with his court vision and his IQ. What's, what's funny is I, um, I think I brought that point to you. And, but I also got that from Anthony Sane for the Memphis Flyer. That's probably so, where it came from. Yeah. yeah. So shout out Sane Asylum. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, one thing I really wanted to also uh, pivot, hold up, you wanted to ask me something? So like, what was like the question within that? I was try- I'm trying to figure this oh, out. Oh, the question was, is that, do you think that having Jaw right after Mike Conley speeds it up also? Like that, oh, I, do wow. you, like having a, a point guard just in the system already, he's going to be your guy moving forward. Like he, he, you want him to be one of your stars. I think that that's so important. You need that floor general that everyone can look to and say, how are we running this offense? You need that guy. Oh yeah. That, wow. That actually like really like was a perfect point into my pivot here. But, um, with John Morant and looking at like Atlanta's offense and Milwaukee's offense, they, they did a lot of downhill right. attacking and that's going to bode so well for Jan, uh, for John Morant because as we've seen, he can cram it on someone's head. Yes. Whenever he wants to. Yes. Um, he does, and he does really well at drawing defenses to him. Right. Like he he takes the attention of a lot of guys, and one of the best things that Kyrie Irving did all season, one of the only positive things, is that he did a video series. It may have been with Kobe. I can't remember who he did probably it with. The detail. Where he talked about how if you can just get a defender stepping like an inch in the wrong direction, it's over. And a guy with like John Morant with his speed and passing ability and his passing well. ability, if he gets a guy leaning the wrong way, that's a bucket for the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that could really just pay dividends in the dribble drive game because, for one, he can finish at the rim if he needs to, but also he can kick it out to Jaron Jackson Jr. or kick it out to Dylan Brooks or whichever shooters they end up signing. Right. Um, And I think that's a good starting point for the Grizzlies' offensive system that Jenkins wants to build because when I was looking at and thinking about uh, point guards that he's so far coached, it didn't sound glamorous. It's been Eric Bledsoe and Jeff Teague. But in the system of like a downhill, aggressive um, offense that's more directed towards finishing at the rim and shooting three-pointers, John Morant fits that perfectly because he can finish at the rim on top of people. I guarantee you I will tweet on head at least 50 <laughs> times this season. And then he can also kick out to open shooters for threes because he's going to generate a lot of attention driving to the basket. Yeah. So to answer your question, yes, it's going to be very awesome going from Mike Conley to John Morant. A very interesting thing in your in your breakdown of that is, if I remember correctly, the day that we did the draft lottery reaction, 
we said that we think that maybe a floor for Morant. I think we all we, we said Teague, Eric Bledsoe like and Jeff Teague. Yeah. How perfect is that? And also, great point guards in their prime. Like, if that's what John Morant turns into is some combination of them in their prime, fine. Like, that's a that's a good pick. Like, I'll be happy with that. Yeah. Um, another thing that they talked about a couple of times is that, or another thing that came through was just how passionate this guy is about the game of basketball. Like we said, he didn't play the game, but he still loves this game. I mean, he ta- he he teared up a few times, which I, th- I think is great. Like showing emotion shows passion. It shows that he's all in on this job. It shows that he really cares about it. It'd be weird if he was sitting up there like a robot, like it didn't affect him at all. You need a couple of years to get to the Greg Popovich level like that. But he he just. That com- that competitiveness really showed through. It, he he really wants to win, and he wants to build something that he can be proud of. He talked about like his his basketball brothers, and it seems like that the personal connections that he makes are really important to him. And I think that that's a great thing when they when we talked about how he wants to build relationships. And I think that he can be a guy that he can grow with Jaron and with Ja. I think that's going to be kind of cool. Like mm-hmm. there there is a. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying this comp is going to happen. Everybody relax. But it's kind of like Greg Popovich when he first got the Spurs job. With and the, all of a sudden he had a young Tim Duncan Parker. and a Tony Parker. Okay, we have Taylor Jenkins. We have a young point guard in John Morant. We have a young Ford in Jaron Jackson Jr. They're probably not going to reach the Spurs level. However, if they can build a relationship that way, it's going to be very important. If he can almost have like an inner circle with those guys, mm-hmm. he needs a dialogue with them. They talked about how he talked to Jaron Jackson Jr. on the phone. He was by far, it sounded like the guy that he talked to the most, and I think that that's important. Right. It seems like that the franchise knows who their guy is moving forward, and they're focusing on him, and they're taking his opinion and what he wants to do with this team above all else, and I think that's a great sign. Yeah, I, I absolutely love to hear it. I mean, there's not much I can say to that, all that, like – you have a guy that's both invested in your star player and a front office that's invested in the coach. Like that's huge. Yeah, that's something we haven't really seen since Jaeger, maybe first few years of Hollins, maybe. Sure. Yeah. 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 And then like Hubie. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, one thing I do want to dive in on because you mentioned the growth of Jaron Jackson Jr. and you gave a lofty comparison. Um, but Jaron Jackson Jr., everybody's going to expect him to kind of be like Giannis because Jenkins was in Milwaukee. Right. Um, I personally see... He's a different player. I see Jaron fitting in that offense as more of say, as more of a supercharged Al Horford. Yeah, that's very fair. I think that that's a, that's a great comp. Um, yeah, Giannis, I mean, Giannis is just a freak of nature. He's one of those guys where it's it's... One, it's just unfair to compare any, he's anyone also like to LeBron-esque. him. He's LeBron-esque. He's LeBron-esque. He's got. It's just that freak of nat- nature, athletic ability. Like if 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 Jaron was seven was seven one with a giant wingspan and could take three dribbles from the half court and dunk the ball, yeah, we could talk about that. Mm-hmm. But Jaron's attributes are just they're just different. Like his intangibles are just different. His footwork is different. The way he shoots the ball is is very different. He's mm-hmm. in a way he's probably a better three point shooter than Giannis is already. Yeah. But if Jaron, I think the best thing for him is he just needs to develop that three-point shot a little bit more and just work around the rim and rebounding. If he needs like rebounding is a big thing, I hope that they work on this offseason. Right, and honestly, just thinking more about it, there is a lot of Al Horford to his game. One, yeah, janky shooting form. Yeah, but they're both capable scores. I think Al Horford aver- probably averages around like. In his prime, around like 16 or 16, 18. Yeah, he was around 18 to 23 points a game. Yeah, that's solid. So solid. Yeah. yeah. I think Jaron could score more. He's not a. He's not a prolific rebounder either, but he's also super switchy on defense. Yeah. Where you put him at the five, and if you get caught in the pick and roll, you can switch him on 
and have them kind of de- like decoy whatever to a guard until like John Morant or someone else recovers because he has that lateral quickness. He has that athleticism to one, alter shots at the perimeter yeah. and to make life rough in the pick and roll, which is what Jenkins kind of alluded to in an aggressive defense. Yeah, the aggressive dynamic defense where he, he did talk about is the high IQ players. Like the high IQ players, they'll know where to be on all times on the floor. Jaron, if he can develop almost into a quarterback esque player, kind of like what Mark was for this defense, I think that'd be great because I mean, yeah, his offensive ability, I I absolutely love the ceiling that that could possibly hit. His defensive ability is what excites me the most about Jaron Jackson Jr. I still think that the closest fair comp to him, I guess, is kind of a baby KG. Like, it, yeah. the KG is what we want him to develop into. It helps that KG is his mentor as well. But mm-hmm. if he can turn into just anything in the realm of being Kevin Garnett, that's a win for the Grizzlies. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, hot so, hot take. Hot, Almost like yeah, spice. Yeah, developing after a Hall of Famer. That's a good thing. Hot take, guys. I know. I think your your computers or laptops, wherever you're listening to this on, just burned down. I'm yeah. sorry. Sorry about that. You might have to buy uh, new AirPods or something. But uh, <laughs> anyways, obviously nobody's gonna talk about these guys in the press conference. But before we cut to this little ad break here, I do want to talk about some players that some secondary players that could benefit from the hire of Taylor Jenkins. Right. First one I want to mention is uh, Javon Carter. I know it throws you for a loop because I gave you another name. We can get that in a little bit. But when you watch a guy like Fred Van Fleet in the Eastern Conference Finals and in the Finals, why can't Javon Carter become that? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the, my fears for Javon Carter going into next season, and I think that he's going to be a serviceable backup point guard. That's kind of what I think his his ceiling and his, his destiny is. He's going to be like a defensive dog, if anything. He's a Pat Beverly-esque player if he ever hits that level at his ceiling. But he can be the guy that comes in and just bothers the, 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 the opposing point guards. He can be that guy that just disrupts their play, hits a three every once in a while, gets to the rim, just controls the offense and just keeps it flowing while John Morant or Mike Conley, if he's still there when the season starts. Like, if. It, big if. Um, but, yeah, I think that Javon Carter can be – I think he can benefit a lot from Taylor Jenkins coming into it because I think Taylor Jenkins is going to look at Javon Carter and say, okay, I know you had a great three-point shooting into the season, but you're not – like, he's, he doesn't need to focus on three-point shooting as his best attribute. Javon Carter, we drafted him as a defensive point guard. That's what we want him to be. And I think also being a young player that Jenkins can try to develop him that way, the dynamic defense is going to work well for him. Because also Javon does well in in quick, like fast-paced games. It's when it kind of slows. When it it slows down, that's kind of where he can get a little bit lost. So if I think that having that up-tempo pace is definitely going to help Javon Carter moving forward in the future. And that's why, like, I'm very excited. And also speaking of Fred Van Fleet, I think that Taylor Jenkins said he has five kids. So I think they're going to the Fred Van Fleet, like, oh, this dude's got like eight kids kind of, or the newborn baby thing. Maybe we can like turn that into some success with good karma or something. Easy. Yeah. Um, Another player I do want to talk about too. And I got a spicy comparison. Oh, Lord. Why can't Jenkins potentially turn Dylan Brooks into Malcolm Brogdon? Oof. Just think. I think Dylan Brooks is good attacking downhill. Yeah. He's he's, Dil- a, he's a pretty good three-point shooter. He's not— He's better than people remember. Yeah. And I don't want to say here that Brooks is going to be a 50-40-90 player because that's historic. Yeah. But he could be like a broad, a poor man's Brogdon in a sense where he's getting you like 
I don't know, like eleven four and three. Yeah, that that is like that's a, a perfect line for Dylan on like Brooks. Yeah, thirty seven percent three point shooting. Yeah, and then every once in a while he'll pop off for like twenty five. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I think that that's that would be a great thing for Dylan Brooks moving forward. The only thing with Jinxons is that he is like all of this stuff. It's like it's like optimism and it's like hoping that that all of this stuff turns out because we really don't have a huge track record of him coaching guys and this. We don't have like I don't even think he has a Wikipedia page yet, but. There's so many just positive signs moving forward, and I think that the best thing for me is what they talked about, player development. Everyone's on the same page. They know it's going to take time. Those three things for me bode very well for the future of the Grizzlies. He, he may struggle his first season. We've got to give him that. We have to be patient. There is one thing that this franchise cannot do anymore, and that is pull the plug on guys after one season, half a season. We cannot do that anymore. This is not an option moving forward after this. Like I know a lot of people were like, oh, like who's Taylor Jenkins? Never heard of him. Guess what? That is a result of us firing how many head coaches in the last four seasons? Three? In the last three? Oh, Shit, in the last three years, it's been Jaeger, Fizdale, Big. That's three coaches in three years. Yeah, like three and a half years. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So Taylor Jenkins is probably one of the best we could get. I'm, yeah. Like, he just is. We were going to get a really good assistant. You weren't going to get a big, sexy, splashy name. So don't judge it on the name. Judge it on the resume. Judge it on what people around the league are saying about it. And he's gotten praise from guys. I mean, we had Kevin Pelton on the show today. He was he thought that the Jenkins hire was really good. We're going to have Kevin Arnovitz on later this week. I don't know when this is going to air, but he's going to be on Thursday. And he's a huge fan, huge fan of Taylor Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And, and when those basketball minds are fans of him, that's a good sign for the Grizzlies. Absolutely. And I um, want to see, too, with this uh, fan base, as far as, like, just taking time, you know, is you've had all these people on Twitter be like, oh, yeah, let's blow it up. Okay, we're rebuilding now. Come yeah. To, come to games. Yeah. Support the team. Support Don't bash the team. it. Like, you're getting what you want. Yeah. And I think the fact that Climate and all of them came out and said, hey, this is going to take some time, you need to stick with the process. Yeah, and, I mean, what is also good is that it's, I don't know if this is true. This is purely speculation. I do not have the insiders that some other guys have. But if Kleiman, Tayshon, and all the guys are preaching the same message, that probably means that Para may be on board, too, knowing this might take some time. Now, he's also very sporadic. So we have no idea what he's going to do a year from now or a year and a half from now. But at least at this moment, it seems like that he's on board for at least this taking two years to just get back to being competitive. Absolutely. And uh, we are approaching the 30-minute mark, so we are going to take you to a quick ad break, but we will catch you on the other side. All right, we're back. And so, Connor, Adrian Wojnarowski last night on the ESPN's Mod Draft special talked about some potential suitors for Mike Conley. Yes. He said Indiana, Utah, yep. and Boston if Kyrie leaves. And side note, I got a Woj bomb uh, notification and uh, Kyrie's going to sign with Rock Nation. So that's a done deal. He's going to Brooklyn. Yeah, he's going to Brooklyn. Yeah. So Boston is opening up. But I do want to say this first. Let, can people stop shoving Utah into this? Because I think their window closed. I don't want him to go to Utah. Utah has nothing that I want. Like a non-guaranteed Derek Favors. Okay. Like, Pass. Like there's a reason it's val- they. It's basically I mean, valid, a poor man's Valanciunas. Why would they? Defense. Why would they pass on a deal at the trade deadline that was better than the one that they'd be able to take this offseason? Exactly. Like what? I don't know why the hell you want Dante Exum. He no. Stays hurt. He's yeah. also terrible. Yeah. It's he's just cool. I already got John Morant. 
I, like, I don't need Dante Exum. Peace. Yeah. You know, I love Grayson Allen, but, like, I, I don't want Grayson Allen being my favorite part of the trade. No, definitely not. No, he does not. No, not the centerpiece. And, like, so I think team people would potentially talk about, you know, like, favors or Exum, then Grayson Allen, and then the 23rd pick. And I know I don't want to oversell Conley's value, but if we waited until the offseason for that, that's gross. That's awful. It's gross. I mean, Mike's value is probably one or two picks, maybe a third, depending on what it is, and then probably a contract dump. That's what I'm more than likely expecting. And the player that we get back will probably be serviceable. He'll be able to play in games. He can maybe help us win a few games. But at the end of the day, we're not going to get some superstar player back for Mike Conley. Like The real value in, in trading Mike Conley is trading for assets. That is the end game of trading Mike Conley, in my opinion. It's more so just trading for the pick. Like, trading for the pick you're going to get in there. Because I do think you'll get a first-round pick. Yeah. And especially as his AD deal progresses... The more I see it, the more I see the Grizzlies trading Mike Conley on draft night so that they can make that pick. Right. I mean, we saw that Mark Stein and Woj both reported it seems like that an AD deal will happen either before draft night or on draft night, which makes me think that because a lot of the suitors that are going to be open for Mike Conley are going to kind of start panicking if they don't land AD or they don't get the guy in the draft that they want. That is when Mike's value is also going to tick up. Like Mike's value will go up when teams start panicking. Mm -hmm. Like it just will. Right, and in that same Woj bomb, same Mark Stein report, you had Boston also competing with Los Angeles for Anthony Davis. They're trying to get a third team in there to give Boston or to give New Orleans someone else they want. Let's be real, the Lakers are the only team that can do that because it'd be like, hey, we'll give you the fourth pick. That's the thing, yeah. They're trying to find a team that's going to sweeten up the deal for the fourth pick. Right, and David Griffin has come out and said. He wants an all-star, a player with potential to be an all-star, and two picks. Do you think that that's meant to be taken literally, though? No. The thing is, here, here's the thing. You're not getting an all-star. No. Think about this. Best case, what I'm thinking is, even Beal, Ball, Ingram, and a future first. Yeah. That's done. Yeah. Because Beal's an all-star. Ball, he could be... He's one of those guys I can see him being like finding an all-star bid one or two seasons. He'll be an all-defensive guy. Yeah, and then Brandon Ingram's going to be an all-star. Yeah. And you're getting a future first. Yeah, I think that when you said, like, I want an all-star, I think he was talking more about, like, a future all-star. Like, right. he wants, like, a guy that could be an all-star, and then he wants a, few, a young player, player that can that's definitely an all-star level player. Right. Like, Bradley Beal will be a home run for them if they land him. I just don't think he—I don't know if Washington's going to do mm-hmm. that. It seems like they're pretty hesitant for some they reason. Need, they need to. They need to. I don't know. They're going like, to suck. They're going to be terrible with they that. They might as well embrace <laughs> it. Yeah, you got to. Like— and also, to be, if, for just from an NBA fan's perspective, I don't want Bradley Beal in Washington. He's, I don't want him wasting his prime in Washington. Right. It sucks when players do that. Yeah, it's the same reason why we don't want Kimba in Charlotte anymore. Correct. But another uh, report, or not, it's not really a report, but it's more just a hy- uh, hypothetical here with uh, the Ringers' Kevin O'Connor. He mentioned Steven Adams, Clint Capella, and Aaron Gordon. I don't see Aaron Gordon in there because I think he, overla- he overlaps with Zion too Yeah, much. and he's also... Or, not, oh, not Aaron Gordon. I thought Eric Gordon for a second. Yeah, Aaron Gordon does have a lot of... It's like... Because I don't want him playing the... I don't want him starting at the five. I don't want Zion starting at the five right away. It'd be a really small line. Like, I know, small. like, we're a positionless basketball and we're cool with, like, smaller guys playing the center, but having both of them as your two bigs would be not ideal. It would help because they'll have... They would end up not having a single guy under 6'5". Because yeah. they would have Lonzo, uh, Drew Holiday... Brandon Ingram, 
Zion Williamson, Aaron Gordon. Yeah. That's still very switchy and stuff, but at the end of the day, you need rim protection. Uh, I did tweet this, and I, and I really wanted to be Steven Adams because Oklahoma City needs to That makes the down. most sense for me. They need to cut down some uh, some of their cap because they're close to the luxury tax, and they've been a first-round exit for the past three years. Time to switch it up. I would honestly look at spending less at the center position because sometimes you can get just as much production, if not more, for cheaper. Absolutely. Like you've seen with like Mitchell Robinson, Clint Capella before his max deal, Rudy Gobert before his max deal. You could still get production from guys that are costing you like two mil. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think Steven Adams makes a lot of sense for the fourth pick. I think that that's pretty good value going both ways. Like, mm. And I mean... Also, think about this, too. You're st- for one, the starting five in New Orleans becomes Lonzo, Holiday, Ingram, Zion, Adams. Yeah. And that can compete right away. But also in Oklahoma City, they finally address that shooting yard spot. Exactly. That's exactly. That's what I was going to get to. And it gives yeah. them a pivot. Yes. To where, like, okay, we just got we got smacked in the playoffs for the fourth straight year. We got to trade Paul George and or Russell Westbrook. And y'all have you have a guy, and I would think that Culver would be the pick at four. Yeah, it would be because he fits yeah, right there. It'd be like four. Culver, Hunter, or Clark. I think would probably be would where Culver. they go. I would too. I'm I'm a, I'm a higher on Culver than most people are. He's a dog, man. Like and he's he may not be efficient, but he's going to try to score the basketball. He's got like maybe a Dion Waiters feel to him. <laughs> uh, that's a. I'm sorry, I don't see that, man. No, nah, that's fine. The thing is, <laughs> the thing is with uh, Culver is he gets a lot of shade for his three point shooting. His three point percentage was terrible, but he was also taking a lot of. He was taking a lot shots. of shots. He was he was going after it. He was going after it, which is what I like. If Jared Culver could be. We're giving him another comp, but if he could be a lot like Brogdon or Middleton in OKC, that's huge. And then you're paying, let's say like Nerlens Noel or even Grant or Jimmy Grant, you're not paying them that much to play the five. I really think they should try to do it to where they get Grant Williams later in the first round. So your your five could be Westbrook, Culver, George, Williams, Jimmy Grant. Love it. Yeah, that Deion Waiters one was bad. I was thinking more of guys that just inefficient more, scores. Like right. that, I do understand <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking more defense. Yeah, Culver's bigger. He's yeah, a, yeah he's a bigger player and he's about better six, on seven, defense. Six, eight. Yeah, yeah. It shores up the uh, the loss of Andre Robertson, who for one can't shoot, and then his he, knee is messed dude, up. He's, he's done. I don't even. He's like the worst shooter I've ever, like. I don't understand how bad of a shooter he right. is. Right. Yeah, and so. Um, that New Orleans deal, it, like you said at the beginning of the show. It's going to depend a lot for the Grizzlies, too, with Mike Conley. I mean, let, let's, not, let's not bury the lead here. Boston is the best deal. It just, like, to, in my opinion, Boston, and you wrote about it, and it was yeah, fantastic. Everyone go check it on GBB. Boston makes the most sense. It makes the most sense, I think, for both sides, especially if they strike out on Anthony Davis, which it probably looks like that they're going to. Right. And so I'm going to be completely real. The most logical and likely trade package, if I'm shooting for the stars, it's Hayward and the Memphis pick. Yeah. Because you're not getting Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart. No, just don't get that out of your brain. Yeah. That, you are going to take back Gordon Hayward. Yeah. And shout out to the Boston fans saying, oh, they won't trade Conley. They won't trade Hayward for Conley, bro. Yeah, they would. In a heartbeat. In, in a heartbeat. They'd be like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And pay Terry Rozier 12 mil to be your starting point guard. I had somebody tell me that they had a Boston fan say, why get Mike Conley when we could just sign Ricky Rubio and keep Hayward? Are you kidding me? (laughs) No. Think about this lineup. Conley, Tatum, Brown. Smart. Smart. 
Baines, Horford, like any combination Robert of those guys. Williams. Robert Williams. That is a playoff team. And I think you can keep one of either Marcus Morris or Terry Rozier yep. also. Yep. And still with Brad Stevens, that's a home court team, even in a competitive Eastern Conference. Also, give Mike a competitive team. Think, look what he did for the Grizzlies. Give Boston a good like a good leader. Yeah, for real. Give give those young guys someone that they can look to and isn't gonna shit on them after every bad game they have, and it's right. gonna transform that team. Yeah. Like we the locker room problems were their biggest issue this season. Guess who's really good in the locker room? Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. He's we call him the captain for a reason. Yeah, and uh one thing that I was obviously expecting backlash on is taking back Gordon Hayward. Because I see Gordon Hayward in the fourteenth peak. 14th pick being the most logical deal. Yeah. We can even get lucky and they give us 14 and 22. So could you just make sense out of taking Gordon Hayward back? Yes, I can. He, yeah, Gordon Hayward struggled last year, but he kind of turned it on closer to the end of the season. The playoffs was iffy, but we also have to take into account he snapped his ankle basically off of his foot. Like his foot was like off of his In a basketball game. In a basketball game. One of the best things of Gordon Hayward when he was in Utah is he was a slasher to the basket. He was a driver. He made he created things in the paint. He's got to get back to that point. But also, like, Gordon Hayward is a serviceable player. It's not like we're getting back at Chandler Parsons, guys. Gordon Hayward's someone that on that team next year with what we have, one, veteran leadership, great. Two, he can be a guy that scores 14 points a game, gets a couple of rebounds, gets a couple assists. He's a high IQ basketball player. He's going to be able to help out in the locker room. That's a guy that I would take back. Yeah, he's a lot of money. And I know we already have Chandler Parsons, but that contract's going to be done soon, maybe sooner than later. You never know. But Gordon Hayward has potential. What if he has a, what if he's a comeback player of the year next year? Yeah. Like, he, he has potential. It's not like he's just some lame duck. He's not Chandler Parsons. Like, I don't understand why people keep acting like that we'd be getting back another Chandler Parsons. Gordon Hayward is a serviceable basketball player. Mm-hmm. He showed flashes of the old Gordon Hayward last year. So, take him. Take a chance on this guy. What's to lose? Right. You're What's still, to lose? You're still trying to lose games anyways. If he helps you convey, great. If he, if he isn't good and you get another lottery pick, sweet. There's, there's no – it's a win-win. Do it. There's no loss. Do it. And so I did look up uh, Gordon Hayward's basketball reference page, and even last year he averaged 11.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 3 assists. What was his 3-point shooting? 33%. But he only shot the ball. Serviceable. Like, he was basically a role player because his role was so inconsistent. That's another thing. A lot of these Boston guys, you have to take their stats with a grain of salt. There was like 50 of them in the rotation last year, so none of them got into rhythm. It was when a player would get hurt. He'd be taking out of the rotation, and then all of a sudden you see guys start clicking, and you see them start playing well. Like, do we really think that Jason Tatum isn't going to be a great basketball player because he didn't have a huge year, year last year? No, we understand the rotation was a big part of it. Be patient with these guys. I would be mm-hmm. fine with Gordon Hayward. And he won't even take shots away from, like, no, Jackson Jr. he's not a selfish player. Because, as we've seen, he's a good passer. Yep. At his career high in assists, like five assists. Yep. But one thing I do want to ask you, and it's something I've talked about a lot on the show— is uh, who would you want to pick? And if you were to get a pick back between 14 and 22. Oh, man. Well, okay, I know you talk about your boy. You talk about your boy real quick. I got to um, look up a draft for Give me a second. I, I have a lot. So, um, for one, I'm going to make Joe Mullinax happy here. I do think you can get Brandon Clark at 14. I really like I'm – I'm high on – like Brandon Clark for me, anywhere below six is a great pick. Yeah. And um, 
I do like the idea of swinging for the fences, maybe taking a uh, Seiko DeBayo. I'd be fine uh, with that. Or even looking at uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Lo- Romeo Langford, because if they end up like reaching their ceilings, I think both are the, the kinds that they have a lot of Donovan Mitchell in their um, – they have a lot of Donovan Mitchell in their game. They both can create their own shots. They're, they have great handles. I like their upside as playmakers as well. They're not great off the ball, but I don't think Donovan Mitchell is either. Um, so I would look at there because also, as we've seen with a lot of great teams, they have good six men. And I think yeah. both of those guys have the game to be good six men. I mean, to be honest, man, like Jackson Hayes, Nasir Little, like... Deontay Davis, shades of Deontay Davis scare me a little bit, not going <laughs> to lie. The, the, the droopy eyes. Yeah. Does that freak you out? I mean, that's fair. I mean, hey, he did get picked up by the Rockets today, though, man. Shout like, out shout out to shout Deontay. Out. But then, yeah, Brandon Clark, even a P.J. Washington, if he's there, wouldn't be bad. Um, I like Siku. Uh, there's another Tyler Hero. Great. I mean... Yeah, that, that was my guy that is, you want me to talk But is that about. like where, like, Bobo? Do you want to, like... I know... Totally I, cool risking it. But if you're getting a guy like Jaw, it's almost like... You don't have a free swing, and you need to hit on it, if, especially in a trade for Mike Conley. But, like, Bobo would be a guy that I'd be like, I'm cool with it. Because be the, cool with he's, it he, he showed he can dominate a basketball game when he's healthy. It's a big if, though, if he's going to be healthy. I talked about it with Nate before. Um, I'm just concerned about his defensive fit. He doesn't possess that lateral quickness or that attentive, oh, attentiveness on defense to guard the perimeter. And I think he's going to get bullied his first few years in the paint. That's fair. So, like, I don't know. I just – he scares me. I'd rather – I mean, like you said, with Tyler Hero, I do think it's important to find a backcourt mate next to Jaron Jackson, or not Jaron Jackson, I mean, John dude, Morant. One of the one of the the most sought after things in the NBA right now is shooting. shooting, and I would I would actually take Tyler Hero. And he's he's got he's got this like fu mentality too. It would kind of go well with Jaw. Both of them got like a we're just gonna ruin your lives. Yeah, yeah, they got that swag, man. Jaron's got swag too. Get a couple young guys in there with swag that are confident in themselves. Boom. Could you just imagine Jaron driving in, or not Jaron, Jaw driving into the paint? They collapse. You kick it out to Tyler Hero. Three Ooh. ball. Ooh. That's the Kevin Herter I was alluding to. I'll take it, man. I'll take it. I'll take it for sure. And um, is there any other deals besides Boston that we should really look out for? Maybe, maybe Indiana. If Indiana says Sabonis in 18, deal. And, and they have. Sabonis, deal. If you're getting Sabonis, I'm taking it. Yeah, I love Sabonis. He also makes uh, Jonas Valanciunas expendable. Yeah. Is there any sleeper teams that you would really look out for? I mean, I guess my, is Detroit still a sleeper team? Do they still count as I a sleeper team? I don't want Reggie Jackson. I don't either. John Luer. I they, don't either. They give, me, if they give me 15, I'll talk. Yeah. It, it's For me, picks. This, is, this trade is about the picks. And I think that's what people got to realize is everybody's going to crap on the players. Yeah. And that's fine because, let's be real, you're getting a salary dump. They did it with the Toronto trade. Exactly. They did it with Toronto, but I think we won't be getting as good of players. Definitely not. <laughs> Unless we get Gordon Hayward. If we get Gordon Hayward, change a, uh, change the topic there. Um, it's more about the picks, and I really like that value in the middle of the first round, especially in this draft, because it's not deep with all-star talent, but there's a lot of guys where I'm uh, I'm watching, and I'm like, you can help me win a playoff game. Right. Like, if we end up getting 14 and 22, I wouldn't mind drafting and stashing that 22 pick, but I also wouldn't mind – 
taking a three, four-year college player like a Grant Williams or a Matisse Dybul. Yeah, Grant Williams is he. I'm high on him, man. I love Grant Williams. Um, I know you do. You. I you really went to like, Tennessee. I. I'm a, but I'm a Memphis basketball guy. But yeah. Grant Williams was kind of a mortal enemy for a few games this season. But it's just like he's the type of player that I just don't think it, he's just not a. He's one of those guys where I think Chris Vernon wrote an article last year about like guys that just aren't going to miss. He seems like the type of player to me that's just not going to miss. Right. And a lot of people do kind of compare it to like a P.J. Tucker, Draymond kind of role. And I can see that very well happening. But um, still, if you get that kind of guy next to Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant, that's a very good third fiddle to have. That's the thing. We're not looking for the number one guy right now. We already think we have our number one guy. We think we have our number two guy. It's like a 1A, 1B right now. Find me the third guy. Find me that guy. Mm -hmm. That's all we're at. Find me the third or fourth guy. He can be the fifth guy. I don't care. Getting jaw changes everything. And then also taking a long-term approach, you're guaranteed another lottery pick. Either, yeah. Either in 2020 or 2021. Exactly. So maybe that's James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Green, something like that. Yeah. I get. Do we need to address? Are we worried about jaw at all? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not either. I'm not, not at either. all. Because I mean, I think it's one of those things to where good passing prospects automatically have a high floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Ricky Rubio, he's. He had the most hype of any European prospect I had ever seen, even more than Luka Doncic. Dude got compared to freaking Pistol Pete. Um, so, I, with John Morant, if he can just be like Jeff Teague or Eric Bledsoe, like we alluded to earlier, that is totally fine. But um, one thing I do want to close the show with is I've always wanted to talk about some secondary players in a potential draft night deal, whether it's Avery Bradley, Jonas Valanciunas, maybe CJ Miles. One thing I do want to talk about with Avery Bradley is I think the Grizzlies might end up taking on a bad contract in exchange for Avery Bradley. Yeah, the Grizzlies will be a, they will probably be a bad contract destination for the next two seasons with, with picks. They'll kind of do what Brooklyn did in a way. Like they will be like, yeah, we'll take on your bad contract as long as we get a pick back. Yeah, I totally agree. And I would I would look out for some of these teams chasing max level players. I know Philly wants to keep um, – they want to keep Jimmy, Jimmy Butler and mm-hmm. Tobias Harris, maybe even chase for Klay Thompson. I don't know. But they're going to have to shed some cap. And they have a pro, they have a player costing them 6 or $7 million next year who didn't even crack the rotation in the playoffs, and that's Jonathan Simmons. Flip Simmons plus – a second-round pick or two for Avery Bradley. They wave Avery Bradley, only pay him two mil. That's a win. Jonathan Simmons is a fun player. Fun. He's a fun player when he yeah. actually plays. I don't understand why you only he have, play. You only have him for a year. Exactly. Anyways. It's like, okay, cool. It's more cap space opening up for 2020. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we're almost to an hour, so, like, is there anything else you really want to, like, hit on before we roll? Not really, man. I think that Boston's the best place for Mike Conley. I'm really excited about Jaw. Um... I thought that the front office and Taylor Jenkins were really impressive today. Uh, I'm not guaranteeing them being a success, but I think that they probably have potential to be very successful, more so than any other coach that we've had the past few seasons. And even the front office, the way that it's been built, like this front office and this coaching staff. Oh, oh, I will talk about this. Taylor Jenkins did say that the coaching staff that he's going to put together, it's going to be just the best possible basketball minds he can find. That's a really good thing to hear. Do you think we can see a former head coach on there? I don't know. I don't know if he has the pedigree to bring one, but you may see a head coach that's trying to get back. Maybe a former head coach that wants to get back to being a head coach. Maybe does like the springboard. 
you know, I totally finally remember what I was trying to say at the beginning, like earlier in the show. Because you know how I had that point where I was, you saw my face. I was just like going to say something. Yeah. And I just blanked. It was a little like awkward pause. But you're talking about the whole Taylor Jenkins thing to where everybody's like, who's Taylor Jenkins? And it's like, all right, that's the price you pay. I have a philosophy slash theory, whatever. If a former head coach gets fired, why does he not have a job? Fair. Like, everybody's like, oh, get Mark Jackson. No. Why hasn't Mark Jackson gotten a job since he lost Y'all hear him on TV? I don't want Mark Jackson. Or Mike Brown. Like well, that—that's my thing. Like, Mike Brown's the the his best role is being an assistant coach. His like, best role is just coaching LeBron. Yeah, that also helps. Yeah, that also helps. Yeah. So that was what I was going to say earlier in the show: is if a head, if you want a former head coach, why does he not have a job right now? He was fired for a reason. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad I remembered that. Oh, one last thing: Would you be mad if for some is Vince Carter a free agent this season, this off season? Yes. Would you be mad? No. I wouldn't either. Because, I mean, I remember going to his uh, to an exit interview at the end of the 2017 season, and one thing he always harped on was, I don't want to just ride coattails to a, to a rank. Yeah. And we've seen it because he went to Sacramento and Atlanta these past two years. At the same time, it'd be really cool to see him go back to Toronto. Yeah, if he can, if he can play. If he can play and go back to Toronto, maybe get a ring, that'd be cool too. So, that'd yeah, that, cool. that's I saw someone float today – Vince Carter back in Memphis and I was like yeah absolutely why not, why not? another there's no that's the thing next year if they're if they're really fun and they're good amazing because that's it, a veteran in the locker room they'd be like alright listen to this guy exactly as far as not even listening to Vince Carter but of course they're gonna listen to Vince Carter because everybody grew up watching Vince Carter everybody in the including NBA, Taylor Jenkins everybody in the <laughs> <laughs> facts facts but I mean, everybody's going to listen to Vince Carter. Yeah. But it's like, Vince could be like, all right, y'all need to listen to Taylor. Like, listen to Coach. He's going to get you where you need to be. Yep. So, yeah. That's all I got, man. That's all I, that's all I got, too. So I just love basketball. I love the NBA. I love the Grizzlies. I love this team. I love the, the direction that we have. We have hope again. Just Taylor Jenkins and New Hope. J- just wait until we get the hero we need. Taylor Jenkins, you're my only hope. My, my, mine's uh, Taylor Jenkins and Tyler Hero. But yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, t- uh, Connor, just plug your stuff in real quick. Yeah, man, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at C Dunning nine two nine. Listen to Giannato and Jeffrey every single day from two to four CT. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flaca. Follow the podcast on Twitter at the Core Four Podcast with the number four, not the word four. Follow GBB on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. You can read them on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. We are wrapping up our community mock draft as well as a draft series that I started. What uh, what might have been. It's pretty fun. I like it. Um, kind of sad. It is kind of sad, but I also kind of make a little sense out of each of it. And uh, follow Nate Chester at Big Nate Chester. Follow Joe Mullinax at Joe Mullinax. Uh, find the podcast. Ooh, draft party. Draft party. Yes. That's going to be super fun. Come to the bluff next Thursday night. Starting at 6, it's uh, the GBB, 92.9, and I Love Memphis. Solid group of people. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we have, a, we have a reason to celebrate, come out, have a couple drinks with us, talk basketball. First person to come up and come up to me and tell me that they love me will get a free drink from me. Am I, do I count? No, you don't. Ah. All right. With that, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Megaphone, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll catch you later.